You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Welcome back to Legends Live, as presented by the National Basketball Retired Players Association. This is the home of all our NBA and WNBA legends. I'd like to remind the viewers that you can submit questions during the chat, or excuse me, during the show that we will get to uh, afterwards. Submit your questions in the chat. We will get to that before the end of the show. Without any further ado, I'd like to welcome in our guest today. We have got former St. John Red Storm, former Golden State Warrior, two-time Olympic gold medalist, and another member of the Dream Team. We have Chris Mullen with us today. Chris, thank you for joining us. My pleasure, Tyler. Glad to be with you. And uh, look forward to uh, chatting, talking up some hoops. Definitely. First things first, how are you? I'd like to ask people, how, how are you doing? I'm doing good, man. Obviously, there's so much going on in the world. Um, unfortunately, at my age, a lot, a lot of things that you're not supposed to do, I don't do anymore. <laughs> So uh, I kind of live my life in the bubble anyway, but, you know, just my prayers and thoughts. Everybody's going through a tough, tough time. Um, just my prayers and thoughts with everybody out there. And, Definitely. And stay healthy during the holidays and wear your mask and, and do the right thing. Yes. Uh, now, as I mentioned, I spoke to another Dream Team member, spoke to Charles Barkley last week, and he asked him about his draft routine. His consisted of a lot of Denny's and Red Lobster. <laughs> so I'll ask you, what what do you remember about your like the whole draft combine, the whole leading up to the draft process? Yeah, so actually there was no draft combine that didn't exist yet. <laughs> um, really, even the visits to, to visiting teams, I think I took one visit to Cleveland. Uh, the difference back then, Tyler, was we played four years. So the right. teams, right. they got to see a, a long, uh, you know, games and practices. So they had all the information they needed. Uh, so a lot of those things weren't, uh, weren't in, in, in informed as of that time. Charles was 84 draft. I was 85. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So we went out, we played our college careers, you know, Michael Charles, they played three, but between three and four years, that that's a mm-hmm. long, uh, you know, a, a bunch of games for these NBA teams to get their scout reports done. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so very different in that respect. And then uh, 85 was the first lottery. So that, that was, you know, the first time the lottery came into play was in 1985. Um, 84, I do remember I was on that Olympic team. I think maybe, mm-hmm. shoot, eight or nine guys from that team went, went in the first round. Um, so I was very familiar with that, you know, and I went back to school and in 1985 wound up coming out in that draft. I was said, did you think about coming out in 84 with a lot of those guys making the leap that year before? Not really. You know, there wasn't that, uh, there wasn't that pull and there wasn't that, uh, talk about always leaving school. Mm. You know, you just, it was just the way it was, you know, Ralph Samson was, was Ralph Samson to play the year as a freshman. He stayed four years. Right. You know, so that was just the way things were. Um, 
you know, college was a good situation. And I just think that's that's what people did. You know, they just kind of stayed a little bit longer. Hmm. I think the NBA liked it that way because you got, you know, a more mature player. You got more background and, and information on that player by staying in college. And then uh, just gradually that that turned, uh, I think, you know, as the money increased um, and the way they did the salary scales, so that they start looking at it from a business standpoint, the sooner I can get to that con second contract, yeah. you know, get that clock started. So Definitely. I think when they put in that rookie scale, they, that changed uh, from a business standpoint, the decision making. So the first year of the, lot uh, the lottery, 85, that was Patrick Ewing was the first pick, correct? So yes. you were New York guy, St. John's guy. Were, like, were you hoping, did you want to stay a Nick, were you just kind of hoping whoever whoever wants me? What were you looking at? Because the lottery being yeah your first year, you're like, what? It's just my luck. This comes out now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So that was like obviously, so it was new for everybody. So you know, kind of like, what the hell is going on? Here? So they're just gonna pick ping pong balls, and that's why I go like, what's up with that? You know, <laughs> right? Um, but yeah, and, and I was a New York kid, born and raised in Brooklyn, stayed home from school, so I really did not plan on leaving New York. I love, you know, I had a great situation at St. John's. I love playing for Coach Karnasek. I had great teammates. Um, yeah, so there was, you know, part of me just wanted to stay home. Hmm. But when that ball, you know, when that when that uh, cold ball went to the Knicks, you know, and, and they got Patrick Ewing, yep. uh, I mean, you, you look at the difference. I think I was the first non-front court player picked. Really? So it was, it was okay. Pat, Patrick, Wayman Tisdale. Benoit Benjamin, Keith Lee, I think Joe Joe Klein, like that. All, all big guys were selected. Which this day and age, that, that's probably almost reversed. You know, so every, yeah. everyone goes everyone goes for guards and wings now. Um, but yeah, so I mean, that's that's kind of the history of the lottery. That's where it started. And uh, you know, I always kid Al Adels. I was on on a Zoom with him last week for his birthday. And I said, you know, he, he got the booby prize, man. Because at that time, too, the lottery was seven teams. It wasn't 15. It was, it was the right. last seven teams was in that initial lottery. And I was the seventh pick. So I was the booby prize. And <laughs> we, we just made it work for each other. <laughs> I was going to ask. I think you may have answered it. Like, now we see, like, the three and D. That's what people are looking for in the draft. And I guess back then you were just looking for a center. Like, that big man is what you were looking for, really. Yeah. I mean, Back then, convention, it was a traditional league still. Um, and look, to me, there's still a place for big guys. It's, this is not, I think, I think Houston has proved that. Yep. You know, they, they tried it. It's, I think it's a good wrinkle to, to a team, and it's a good wrinkle on how to play the game. But to, to play it for a full season into the playoff, you can't just play small. It's not, it's mm -hmm. not the way it's, you know, that's not going to win. Um, and I love small ball more than anybody. Right. But, but it's, it's more of a, a change up as opposed to a steady diet. Um, yeah, but, uh, you know, the, the game has evolved. It has. And, and the biggest difference is the three point shot and the use of the, the usage rate of it. Um, again, I'm, a, you know, I was a shooter. I love, I love the three point shot, but I still believe to win, you gotta get good shots. Right. So it's not shot. No matter take. where they're at. Yeah. Not shot take is a shot makers. You know, it's not, it's not hockey. It's not shots on goal. It's the ones that right. go in that count. Um, you know, fortunately, I'm, I've been around the Warriors pretty much my whole life, and just watching, you know, that those five years where they were so great and, and dynastic, 
Yeah, they shot a lot of threes, but they shot high quality threes. They worked to get open. They moved the ball. Right. They set screens. They did all the fundamental uh, basketball things that, that help you win. Um, Naturally, with Stephen Clay, they're so great, but it kind of gets overlooked that they were a very fundamentally sound basketball team. Right. I think a little bit of, I think, you know, James Wiseman went two in this draft. There's a place for a big, you know, big players. There is. There's a mm -hmm. there's a reason they're they're effective, and a lot is screening, being being a lob threat to open up open shots, so you right. can shoot a high percentage. I was glad you mentioned you were a shooter. You were career fifty one percent from the field, thirty eight from three, eighty seven percent from free throw. That's close to fifty forty ninety, which is kind of a thing now, guys. You know, you get accomplished or you're, you're noticed if you hit that was that a thing back then or you were just you know just well, just trying to take good shots like you were saying yeah i was taught again you know growing up through high school and especially in college playing for, for lou carnesecca who mm -hmm. he's a hall of fame coach he also coached in the aba so he had a lot of professional training and professional mind you know he was a very close friend with Joe Lapchick, who was who was the mm -hmm. coach of the Knicks. Frank McGuire, who coached the Philadelphia Warriors. And mm -hmm. these were the people that influenced him. So I was taught the pro game, but when when we were in college, Patrick and Mike, all those guys, um, there was no three point line, no shot clock. That's a you. Yeah. That's a huge. Yeah. It's almost it's almost a different sport. Yeah, it but, feels like night there, and day almost. Yeah. Well, but there are some good things that come from that, and, and you mentioned shot selection. So. When there's no shot clock, there's no rush to get a shot up, which means from a coaching standpoint, you're trying to get the best shot every right. possession. Now, that could lead to some boring basketball because you may overdo it. Mm. But from, from a player standpoint, you're trained to get the shot that you want. Right. <laughs> and and put the defense. So from an off offense, I'm going to tell you what I'm doing. Right. Offensive. I'm an offensive person. So, mm. you know, the shot clock is always the balance of getting a good quick shot. You know, and then that's that's where shot selection comes into play. Um, being able to uh, I just go back to Steph and Clay, the way they work to get mm. open to get good shots, not to just get stand, the, yeah. not just stand still and wait for the ball and then go off the dribble and shoot contested shots. If you do that all game. Or your career, your percentages are going to go down. It becomes, right. it, it gets back to shot selection. So yeah, I was taught that as a young age. Every time I shot the ball, it should have been a shot I was supposed to make, not just shooting, not not taking. Not 10 just want to get one up. Yeah, not take ten shots just for the heck of it, and then I'll right. be, you know. So yeah, I was taught the game that way. The game was different, hmm. but if you look at the really, really successful players and teams. They they still do that. There's a way to do that within you know within 24 seconds, obviously. Now you took I looked at two threes a game. Now you probably would have taken like 10 threes a game. Is that something you would have liked? Like, of course, you not just 10 threes to take them, but good shots. But would you have liked kind of that freedom? Like, hey, if you have a open shot, not only take it, but it should probably be a three pointer if you're as good a shooter as yourself. Yeah, I often wonder why why we didn't shoot more threes. I just can't. Yeah, understand. like <laughs> I don't, I don't like what was, what was you know I don't. It's an extra why. point. Like, yep, and we had guys that could shoot them, but again, it was it evolved to where it is now. It didn't didn't, yeah. didn't happen overnight. Definitely, there was, there was still an emphasis on playing inside out. Um, you know, part of the game that's kind of 
disappeared, which was a big focal point, is mm. playing inside the draw fouls. You know, right. not, not not only to get to the free throw line because it's free throws, right? You're supposed to shoot their free points. Mm. You also put the other teams, hopefully, ideally, one of their better players in foul trouble. So that's kind of gone away. We don't do as much targeting. That was a big focal point back in the day. Um, yeah, but I, I definitely wish, you know, and I played for Don Nelson, who is probably the most forward-thinking guy. I think one of the originators I, of, of and, small and we, ball. And we did, we did um, we had the freedom to do it, but it almost wasn't comfortable to go out there and shoot. Mm. You know, I mean, I think a few nights I shot seven or eight and I almost felt like. <laughs> it didn't feel you know, right. Yeah, like I'm just kind of like chucking these things up there. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Again, again, you kind of we always were taught, even with Nelly. Nelly, Nelly had specific guys. Like if you didn't shoot over thirty six or seven, you couldn't shoot them in in the in the game. But mm. you couldn't. It was like you weren't allowed to. So you had to get right. your percentages. Your percentage had to be at a certain point to be able to shoot in the game. And then ideally, we like to shoot them in transition. Mm. We like to shoot them off dribble penetration where you collapse the defense and kick out so the draw and kick game. Or if you threw it down the post and they doubled, then it was a full rotation. So swing, swing, yeah. corner three. So that, that was kind of where those shots came from. I mean, Tim Hardaway Sr., he had the green light to shoot off the dribble because he was just so he, <laughs> I, I bet he did, yeah. <laughs> but most guys, if you had to take dribbles to get your shot off and the defense was contesting, that, that, was, that was a no-go. Right. That was that was eh, sit down, dude. Like, you right. know, come on, man. But these guys practice them, and then so you know, to their credit, they become, you know, it, it, a lot of these guys are you know bad shot makers technically, right? So you'd be like, man, it's a contested shot, but these guys make them. They 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 yep. become acceptable shots, and the reason they're accepted is because you make them. You make them at a yep. high percentage. If you're shooting over 37 percent, you gotta live with it. Yeah, that as you mentioned, you. Pretty much warrior all your life. You played for him. You worked in the front office some, and now you're still doing like pre and post game stuff. You covered the draft for him, uh, if I'm mm -hmm. correct, last night. Yep. So, yep. What, what did you make of the Warriors draft? Just going that number two pick. There's a lot of talk. Were they going to trade it? Were they going to move back? They kept it. Took James Wiseman, big man out of Memphis. Yeah, I, I give the Warriors organization Bob Myers, you know Steve Kerr, Joe Lacob. I give an A plus. I mean, okay. James Wiseman to me. Um, for this day and age, if you were to, you know, sculpt a center for the 2020 draft, uh, athletically, you know, his body, uh, quickness, length, standing reach, that would be him. Yeah. And it's a, it's a, it's a glaring need for them. Uh, Steve Kerr is a very innovative, uh, free flowing, just a beautiful rhythm to, to their offensive game. But he also has a lot of traditional, fundamental basketball um, principles that, yeah. that he that they play by. Um, obviously, being influenced by Phil Jackson and Greg Popovich. So there's a lot of there's a lot of old school fundamentals with some new school flair to it. Um, but I think he's a perfect fit, a huge need, and I think if he would have played, you know. 15 to 20 college games, he would have been the, you know, consensus number one pick by far. Physically, yeah. he, physically, you see the, the resemblance kind of to David Robinson, Chris Bosch, that type of player. Uh, physically, right, he's that type of body, that kind of athletic skill. 
Uh, we talked to Penny Hardaway last night uh, locally, mm-hmm. uh, you know, after the draft and raves about his his work ethic, his dedication, his discipline, mm. I, IQ, decision-making on and off the court. So this guy, um, for me, to, to, for the Warriors to get him and adding to this already, you know, championship uh, team, you know. Right. Obviously, you know, we got the clay situation that's mm. – you know that's that's a big downer and devastating news. Yeah, but he he's going to come back. So in the meantime, this kid's going to blossom. I think um, you, know, you talk about again twenty twenty. Yeah, so I think on arrival, James Wiseman is going to be able to defend the rim, be a rim protector. He, he's probably going to be the fastest and and big in in the league. I say he should hands. get a lot of easy lobs, easy uh, alley oops. That that's that's like tonight. He could do that tonight. Yeah. And, and over time, he's got a nice looking shot. He he shoots nice free throw. And over time, when there's no rush, slowly but surely he'll stop, you know, increasing his range. I think over time you'll see him shooting NBA three. So, hmm. you know, he's 19 years old. Um, so to be able to get him that talent and to be able to plug him in right away. And also as as Steph Clay and Draymond move on in their careers, being being schooled by them and watching their daily habits. Three four years, he could be the face of the franchise. Yeah, he could be and, the face of the league. That could be like the new seven foot one, three point yeah. shooting. You know, dunk uh, alley you catching shot blocking big. You know, that's yeah. Like you mentioned, in five years he'll be 24, 25 years. Like just really starting to figure out what he's even going to be as a player. So See, a, a lot him of growing in that it. culture. Mm-hmm. A lot of people forget, or he's just not mentioned because he's so humble, is how great David Robinson was. Mm. You know, yeah. he, this this is one of the all time greats, on and off the court. By the way, the guy's maybe mm. more impressive off the court than on the court. But uh, you know, he he put up seventy in a game. He could have led the league in scoring if he wanted to. He was all about yeah. the team. So you know, without putting undue expectations, picture David Robinson. Trailing the trailing the break and shooting threes, add that to all the other stuff he did. That's pretty damn good. Yeah, it ain't too bad. <laughs> now, as you mentioned, and it, it is a shame we did see it confirmed that uh, Clay Thompson has tore his Achilles, so he'll be out. Did you think that was going to change the draft in any way? Like, did you think they might go like maybe they wanted Wiseman before with Clay out? Maybe they go Lamelo, maybe they go Okoro, or you know, a wing player, guard wing. Yeah, I think what I think, and look, I'm actually watching NBA TV now. Bob Myers is on speaking now, but yeah, I think if the number one guy wasn't there, I'm sure they considered right. contingency plans moving back. I think they had those things in place anyway. Hmm. Picking number two, I'm sure they had two players they loved. Yeah, so they were going to get one of them. So, and I don't think you change your whole draft board. Due to an injury, although it's devastating, I mean, probably yeah. more so, more so for Clay first and foremost. Yeah, for the organization, of course, right? Um, but even the fans, he just Clay's just one of the guys. I think he's loved by everybody. I just say every, even if he if he's killed your team with eight or nine threes, you still you can't hate Clay Thompson. Well, you love to watch him, and then if you get if you know his personality. He's just the easy go with Southern California kid, you know. Yeah. He skateboards to the game, drops 60, and, and walks out of the arena with his dog, Rocco. I mean, he's just, right. you know, 
not only everyone loves Clay, everyone wants to be Clay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so devastating news, but but he will get healthy. That that you know, hmm. last night I was on with and, and it's devastating. I was driving over to the studio. I'm like, what? I'm here with Clay Thompson. Like, what are you talking about Clay Thompson for? Like, this is the yeah. draft. And I'm like, what? This can't be true. You know, so as a fan, as you know, I know him a little bit and I love watching him. I love everything, everything he stands for. Mm. There's that shock and that devastation. But here we are today. He will heal. He's going to heal. Mm. Now, it's like in between this time, it's another year with the, the timing of it's horrible. Yeah. Um, first and foremost, he's got to get his head wrapped around this another long journey. You know, he just I'll came off one more came, rehab. Yeah. Well, came off, you know, a year of rehab in the ACL. And I've, I heard all great reports. He was just feeling great. I was really looking forward. I was telling mm. someone last night, it wasn't really if he was back. You knew he was back with just the anticipation right. of seeing this guy. Matter drop of when. Yeah. yeah, just drop 60 again and, and then back on top. This, this news, you know, puts a damper on a lot of things, but. In my mind, being optimistic is the first step to to recovery, right? To mm. you know, map out that plan. It's going to take a little while for that to settle in, but now, you know, he will be back. In the meantime, you know, they'll, they'll probably add some players, and so it's it's probably a different um, expectation now. Where mm. they are, I still think they're a playoff team, and you know, we'll see who they add in free agency. The funny thing is, free agency starts tomorrow, so that's yeah. <laughs> So we'll it, it'll be a out. wild one. Yeah, it will. So, so who Warriors aside, who's who's a team who's draft like you like what they did last night? Well, again, you know, when you talk about again, you know, no consensus number one pick. It seemed like mm. the first three they were slotted months ago, and they didn't change. Yeah. yeah. Um, and when you don't have a consensus number one pick, the one thing you usually have is depth, and that's I noticed that there was a lot of good players in the second round. Yep. Uh, back to the Warriors for a second. They picked Nico Mannion in, at number forty-eight. Mm-hmm. If you look back in December, he was he was slotted in some of those mock drafts as number seven to ten, a lottery pick. Mm-hmm. So I can guarantee he didn't lose his talent from December to now. So he's another talented <laughs> right. player. So there's some really good players in the second round. I think. Look, there wasn't a whole lot of trading of pick. There's some. I think the big names and the guys, say, you know, top twenty or so, that that I, you know, I haven't really, you know, scurried and looked at all because a lot of those trades come out later, right? Yeah, I still shaking but, out. You know, from like, uh, you know, top three guys, I think they're all going to be good players, and hmm. a lot depends on you know the, the organizations they go to and, and their, their daily habits. That's what's really going to. So three, four years, that's when we'll really find out. Right. Um, you know, a kid, a kid down number 20, I knew personally because he was a, a New York kid. Precious Achua went to Miami. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Gifted. Out of uh, Memphis as well, yeah. Exactly. From Wise, from uh, Penny Hardaway's team. Hardworking kid. Got the pro uh, attitude. Has his work. He's got pro work habits. I've watched him since he was 13 or 14. At number 20, that's a heck of a pick and a perfect situation for him. Hmm. You know, the guys up top there, Abdija looks like he's a heck of a play. He looks like a natural, just a instinctive basketball player right denny okoro from auburn you know he's a great defender got that physical body so the one thing these kids these young kids they're coming in they look physically ready yeah you know they're they're, they want yeah their training uh programs are much advanced um and then it's just about you know being being sponges learning from your vets 
Right. You know, and I think a lot of these kids are advanced in that area too. You know, mm. so um, it's an exciting time for the NBA. It's always exciting to see these young kids have their dreams come true. You know, do their press conferences, and I always say, and then we go to the court. That's where right. really, that's where that's where it really matters. You know, right. Press conferences are cool. You know, and, and all the excitement's great, and then we get back to that practice gym and then we see that's where you got to prove yourself and then it's deliver and then deliver each and every day i, I always yeah. go back to the kids that really love to play and and, and mm. their goal is to max out their ability right and that you know so you have this nice i want to be an all-star i want to be a, a, a world champion i want whatever okay that's awesome to have that vision now let's get that piece of paper and what do we got to do on a daily basis? Right. How do we get there? You know, getting getting those eight, nine, ten hours of sleep. Make sure <laughs> you get up, have you know the right meal before you work out. Make sure you all all those things that you know make a pro. And, yeah. and like I said, I think I think these kids are are advanced in that area. I've you know I've coached in college for four years. They, they've they've learned from the people in front of them, and and they watch what these great players do. Probably LeBron being the, the best example of taking care of his body, um, being dedicated. I mean, that's what he's done is just off the charts. Yeah. I do think people look up to him and they, they want to know how does this guy do this? And so I think he sets a tremendous example of, you know, dedicating everything, all your resources, all your energy to being the best. And it's worth it. <laughs> so let's face it. Yeah. I mean, if you can call it a nice career hit in this league, it's well worth it. Yeah, definitely. So uh, one of the things you mentioned earlier about listening to your your veterans as a young guy, when you came into the league, who were some of your veterans? Who were who were your older guys? Yeah, when I first came to the Warriors, so that was uh, 85. And we talked about so they were in a lot. Of, they had the worst mm-hmm. record in leagues. They were supposed to get the first pick by record. Mm-hmm. And and they got the seventh pick. But when I came here, Sleepy Floyd, Purvis Short, <laughs> Jeff Houston was a New York guy who, who took me under his wing to did you know help me out a lot. Um Greg Ballard. Okay. Classy guy. He, he came he came in as a free agent. He was a really good guy. You know, treated me well. Um so I had I had decent, decent vets, you know, again. It's funny how you look. You, you bring up, you know, how long ago that was. You know, I remember. I'm looking. I'm looking at Bob Myers out here in front of this Chase Center, this beautiful arena with the mm. with the practice practice facility built inside. We used to practice. <laughs> we used to we used to get call a call, not because there were no cell phones. Get a call. <laughs> get a, like the game would end, and they go, "We'll call you in the morning and tell you where we're going to practice." <laughs> so it would either be. You know, San Leandro Boys Club, sometimes Pacific High School, sometimes the Mormon Temple, you know, so. Uh, it's a different, it might have been a different place every day. No doubt. Oh, it was a different <laughs> place every day. Not, not maybe, it was. <laughs> so. Okay, on the flip side of that, you had a long career. At the end of your career, who were some of the younger guys? Who were some of the rookies that you, you took under your wing that you tried to be that guy for? Yeah, so first and foremost, Tim and Mitch. Mm. Mitch and Tim, it came first. Mm. Um, again, you know, there was a little bit of, 
what do they call it? rookie hazing, whatever, whatever, you know, go get my news, <laughs> yeah. go get my newspaper, go get my coffee. That, that, mm. that, you know, they were still doing, I thought it was nonsense and ridiculous. Mm. So you're not a hazing guy. No, I was like, dude, I'm, these, these are my teammates. Right. I, you know, so, and not that it had a huge impact. I didn't, but, but I just thought it was stupid. Mm-hmm. Um, so Mitch came, became my boy, man. It's, not only was he a great, great player, he was a great dude. So like, he was, to me, he wasn't a rookie. This guy's like right. number five pick. He's big time. And that's the way I treated him. And then his play backed it up. And mm-hmm. Tim came the next year. And me and Mitch did the same thing with Tim. We just brought him in. And again, great player. He, you know, his, his his game was way beyond rookie status anyway. <laughs> right. So, you know, so, and then, so Mitch and Tim, we had a trade. And look, I, 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 all guys that came in here, not only were they good guys, but you need them to succeed. Right. <laughs> so you need to welcome them, teach them. Ideally, yeah. Well, not 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 <laughs> only for their good, for your good too. Like every right. time a guy came in, like, this guy's really good. He he can help me, you know. So we had Billy Owens, we had Victor mm-hmm. Alexander, Chris Gatlin. All we had our team went from my first got here, very old, and then Nelly came and the whole roster was blown up. So it just changed mm-hmm. overnight. So we started bringing in young guys. Um, Chris Weber came here as a rookie, mm-hmm. and I had played against him. Uh, the dream team played that select team. So I had to watch, mm-hmm. I've been in the gym with this guy was incredibly gifted. So another, I'm like, wow, this guy, and I was getting on in my career, the 92, now I'm seven, eight years in the league. I'm like, this guy can really help me. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then he was here a year and moved on. So I went through a lot of young guys. Latrell Sprewell came through. He was mm-hmm. a great, great young talent, a great guy. And, and t- I used to talk to Spree about what we were talking about. You know, Spree was just inc- like he was like the new wave two guard, like the, the long yeah. six, six long arms, and just can run all day and and a little bit raw basketball skill wise. Mm-hmm. But you know, but he became an all star player. And I, I remember early on his first year or two, I'd say Spree, like if you just eliminate three or four or five bad shots right. instead of, instead of going seven for twenty one. You know, now you're seven for 14, seven for 15. And and those bad shots, maybe they're an extra pass to your teammate, things like that. So, mm. and that's, again, that, that's what I was taught from my coaches. But also the, the really good teammates I had, they did that for me. Right. And that that's kind of always been my philosophy is follow the winners. Follow, follow the classy guys, man. Mm. With the guys that really helped you, pass that on. And the stuff that really didn't work for you, leave that alone. You know, yeah. you know. So, pretty, pretty basic uh, philosophy there. Check in with Bridget here. I think we've got a couple questions from the viewers. We'll see what we have here. First questions from Billy Goodwin. He says, "Hey Mo," he said, "You he said you wouldn't shoot threes. What do you think about that?" Do you know who Billy Goodwin is? Is that team a former teammate? Yeah, so so you talk about guys that took me under under their wing in the NBA. Mm. Billy Goodwin was the first guy to take me under his wing at college. Okay. And the first guy during games would would boost my confidence. And Billy, if you're listening, 
if we're playing Syracuse or we're playing, he'd be like, Mo, they can't guard you. They can't guard you. And he was pumping me up. So he's he was my my first vet. Okay. That took, that took Even my, in college. That boosted my confidence and made me a better player. Because he this guy, see, now if he came out, he'd be a lottery pick yesterday. Hmm. Six, six, five, all around game, 15 points, six boards, six assists. The best. Like fill the box that's, score. That's my that's my brother, dude. And I would be shooting more threes, Billy. Because that, <laughs> that 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 actually has become a job. You know, back in the day, you had guys who could shoot and guys who could play. If you were just right. a shooter, if you were just a shooter, you're a shooter. That didn't mean you right. could play. Right. It's kind of like it's kind of like the middle reliever in pitching, right? You used to have a starter and a closer. Right. Now that, that was a middle reliever. That that wasn't always a job. <laughs> They've called right. that a new job where you could actually stand in the corner three and just shoot balls. Right. It's like a new job. It's a beautiful thing. I would say it would have been right up your alley. Yeah, even right now at 57, <laughs> man. Hit Billy, I love you, bro. <laughs> Billy Goodwin, man. That's my guy. Let's see, got another question from Wack Human Being. He says, question for Chris. In this day and age, do you think playing college basketball in New York City still has appeal to recruits? That's a good question. I do. There's, there's definitely an appeal. There's always look, Shamar Pons. I was, mm. I was texting with Shamar yesterday. It's it's for a select person. Now, back mm. in the day with Billy Goodwin and Kevin Williams and David Russell and Bob mm. Kelly and, and Bill Wennington and Walter Berry and Mark Jackson mm. and Shelton Jones, we were all near. We all stayed home. Yeah. So it's changed though. The world, the world is a smaller place now. These kids, and you and we I talked about it earlier. When I was, you know, getting drafted, I'd been to California twice in my life, once for the Olympics, once to receive the Wooden Award. We didn't travel mm -hmm. like these kids do. They go all over right. the world. So by the time they're in high school, they've been much, everywhere. It's much yeah. easier for them. They switch teams. It's just it's just the way things are. So yeah. and and getting back to St. John's, um, I'm sure that they're asking about recruiting at St. John's. Huge advantage in the early when I played with Billy Goodwin, 1983, mm -hmm. we won the Big East Championship. Billy Goodwin's on the cover of Sports Illustrated. <laughs> ESPN started in 1979. Started. Mm -hmm. The first contract they did was with the Big East. Okay. So the Big East Conference was the first college conference to have a national TV um, contract yeah so when i came to golden state in 1985 all the kids out here knew who i was mm, because they, they were watching deal. big they were watching big monday right after school they were running home mm. at 4 30 to catch that big east game so all of a sudden you saw syracuse georgetown um i was recently with gary gary payton wanted to play at st john's mm. he was recruiting them that was where he wanted to go to school because he was what he was out here in oakland Watch it. They like, man, I want to be Pearl Washington. I want to go to Georgetown. And, you know, it was amazing. Now you can get every conference all the time right. on TV. So that advantage has gone away. That's, that's one yeah. less thing you have, right? But there's no place like New York. There, there, there's just not. Um, but it's for a select kid, right? Right. Not Say for John, everybody. It's, it's, it's funny. Towards the end of Coach Karnasek's career, they were saying he doesn't recruit nationally. Mm. That could be a problem. So now here we are, 
40 years later saying they don't recruit locally. <laughs> right. So <laughs> it always cycles. Yeah. Well, the landscape has changed. Ideally, yeah, you get all New York kids. That's not the yeah. fact. Kids don't stay in high school in, in, in the city much. They go to prep school. So again, the I landscape goes across state lines. Yeah, for high school. Yeah, man. landscape has changed, but it's always like I said, like Shamari Pons. That, that's a that's a Brooklyn kid. He mm -hmm. wanted to stay home, play in front of his family. He had an incredible three years there. Um, so I, I know some kids. You know, it's not built for everybody, but the select guy. It, it, it's a great place to play. You get to play in the garden. You get the notoriety. Um, mm -hmm. But I tell you what. When 80, 81 through 85, it was rocking. Yeah. It was rocking. <laughs> it was no place better to play than back then. I know that. I was going to say, you still see it from time to time now. Uh, when Kimba in the tournament or I feel like when LeBron or when Kobe every once in a while would, would come, come in and heat the garden up. Yeah, but even like, you know, like I said, the Big East right now, as we speak, it's a great conference. They got great yeah. rivalries. You know, it's all basketball. Um, they got some of the original teams and the teams that they came in from the Midwest, uh, you know, Butler, Creighton, Marquette, mm. uh, DePaul. They're all they're all really good solid teams. programs. Yeah, no, it's really good. It is. It's it's I was pleasantly surprised at the uh, the level of play and the competition. And uh, the one thing we're going to miss, though, the one thing that's really good is the, the crowd. They get great crowds on the road. So that's yep. going to be a, a big difference. Yeah, um, definitely. Next question, we got one from Maddie Buckets here. Maddie says, did the Celtics get the best shooter in the draft? Uh, I'm guessing Aaron Neesmith. They also yes. got um, Peyton Pritchard. but Neesmith. Neesmith yeah. from uh, Vanderbilt played for mm -hmm. uh, Jerry Stackhouse. The Jerry Stackhouse, yep. Yeah, I, th I think by far the best shooter in the draft. Um, yeah, that's, that's consensus, I think. And I love the way uh, Brad Stevens – Runs that offense. I think he'd be a perfect yeah. fit. And get Peyton Pritchard. I watched him a bunch in the Pac-12. The ultimate competitor. I mean, yeah. the guy, um, he's a winner. You know, and I think he's one of those guys. He just makes the team better. You know, he's right. just one of those guys that uh, just his energy, his effort, and his dedication, all those things. And he's proven he, he makes big shots. And every time you underestimate him, you know, he answers the bell. Question here is from Idris. It said, Chris, did you ever think in a million years that the team would transform into what is now looking back at the see the infamous halftime booing of ownership and now where they are at now, three championships later? So did you, did you ever think they would go from from A to 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 B? No, I, I can't say I saw that five year domination dynasty coming. But I always felt this was the place. I really yeah. did. I just couldn't get anyone to listen to me. <laughs> As a player, you know, I loved playing here. I mean, back in the day, you know, in the middle of my career, I mean, it was the, it was the ideal situation. Mm. You play out here in California, the Bay Area. It's, it's an incredible place to live. Um, I was spending my summers on Long Island. Mm. Training, training like crazy, and then come like late September when it started getting cold, I fly <laughs> back come, out here, come back west, <laughs> and get another three months of summer before you know. So 
I always felt like, man, people don't understand how great it is here. Um, and then, you know, what happened was with that ownership change, Silicon Valley, they just, you know, just there was more um, awareness of what was happening, right. you know. And, and, of course, you always need some uh, some divine intervention. Steph Curry falls down. You draft Clay Thompson. You know, my, my guy, Mark Jackson, comes in and does a great job, you know, turning turning everything around pretty much, you know, mm-hmm. insisting that Draymond Green is, is a big-time player. Yeah, so that night, the, the night that question referring to was my jersey retirement. Um, Joe Lacob, it was weird timing because they, you know, they they were struggling at the time, mm-hmm. and uh, I think they just traded Monte Ellis to Milwaukee mm-hmm. for Andrew Bogut, who was injured. Right, mm-hmm. wound up being wound up being a genius move, but yeah. it, like was the, you know maybe the next game after that, and so the fans <laughs> right. got out there. You know, it was kind of a, it was kind of a. I, but I will say this: Everyone always says your night was ruined. I said it wasn't ruined. It was. We had a great night. Right. If nothing else, though, one of the most memorable jersey retirements <laughs> of all time. And not not because it was my jersey, just because of what went on around it. <laughs> but people will never forget that one, though. <laughs> but but I'll tell you what, Joe Lakeup, he hung three banners, dude, and he said yeah. it that night. He said that night. He said, "Look up there, that, that's a lonely banner. We're gonna get some more." And everyone thought he was out of his mind. You know what? He put three up. They backed it up, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Let's see, I think we got one comment here from Uncle Swisher. He says, "Bring back pros versus Joes, Chris." <laughs> that was fun. That was fun. That's a good idea. What we should do is that Joe, so, Uncle uh, Swisher. Asked, uh, yeah, Uncle Swisher this, asked it. Yeah. At, this, at this point in time, but it's more like pros versus Joes in horse. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because I ain't trying to, you know. I'm I'm biking, swimming, and golfing. I ain't trying to like, you know, have my hip done. I got my knee. I'm all good. I ain't yeah, to you're, you're all golfing. set. But, but we can go pros versus yours and some horse. Okay. And and horse, yeah. would a Joe ever beat you? Or Joe would never beat you, would they? I'll, I'm willing to find out. Just hit the ATM on the way into the gym, bro. <laughs> That's all. I'm willing to find out. So we got one last question for you. Where's all our legends? We're getting a playlist together. So when you're you're biking, you're you're golfing, when you're out there, what do what what are you listen? What's in your ears? It can be old, new, whatever. What do you got? What are you listening to? Okay, I bike quite a bit, like Bill mm. Wall. Like Bill Wall, I love my bike. Okay. Okay, and I bike. There's a state park here called Mount Dabble State Park. It's straight up climb, mm. and I got my nice little Bose speaker on, and I jam. So if you listen, if you were behind me riding your bike. You would think I'm some schizophrenic music maniac. Listen to everything. <laughs> no doubt. So I can go from Bruce Springsteen. Okay. Uh, to Shaka Khan. Okay. <laughs> to The Doors. To EPMD. You know, just the alphabet, dude. I'm going. I'm going 70s rock. Elton John. I'm going. All the old school rappers from okay. New York. I was gonna say it's a, it's a New York coming out. Everything, everything, bro. Yeah, so that's another thing. Back in the day with Billy Goodwin, I remember I played up in Harlem with Riverside mm-hmm. Church. Mm-hmm. I used to meet the van on 125th Street and Second Avenue. That's where I would meet the meet the van to go play all these games. I played three or four games throughout the city on a Saturday. Mm-hmm. And back then, 
my teammates were coming into the van with their little boxes and their cassette tapes. <laughs> and I'm hearing this music. I'm like, because it wasn't on the radio yet. Right. I'm going back to Brooklyn. Dude, you got to hear this music, man. That stuff is insane, dude. This is sick. You know, Sugar Hill Gang and uh, Curtis Blow. Some of the original stuff. Old school, yeah, man. I remember when I, th- I remember seeing, I remember hearing. I'm like, and we play these games in the park, and they'd all have the boxes jamming the music. I'm like, man, it, this that was like legendary, dude. <laughs> Get those added. Uh, that'll do it today. Uh, thank you for joining us, Chris. Thank you for for taking a little, little pleasure, time out man. of your day with us. My pleasure. We'll love- Appreciate it. Of course, appreciate you. We'll talk to you soon, Chris. We'll do. Okay, be well. You too. That'll do it for this week's Legends Live. As you know, we have new episodes live every Thursday here at 5 p.m. Eastern on the NBA Alumni Twitter page, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. I'd like to remind viewers you can watch replays of any episode at legendsofbasketball.com slash legendslive. You can catch the audio replay to our conversations on Apple Podcasts or Spotify by searching for Legends Studio. That'll do it for this week. We will catch you next Thursday.